0: We've got a really fun topic to talk about here today. It's what to wear to work. I'm gonna take you through what the academic researchers tell us about how what we wear impacts other people's perceptions of us. And I'm also gonna provide you with many, many suggestions. It's up to you which of these suggestions you decide to adopt, but I hope you'll find one or two insights that are helpful for you so that ultimately you can feel more confident when you're shopping, and when you're staring at your closet, trying to decide what to wear to work. I'm gonna start with a question. What are you wearing? I mean, right now, what are you wearing? Perhaps more importantly, what are the clothes that you're wearing signaling or communicating about you? If you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you believe me when I say that how you dress communicates a lot in both personal and professional contexts. But I would also bet that you underestimate how much your physical appearance matters. Here's the thing. According to research, your physical appearance, which includes your clothing, is the number one most influential factor in employee selection, more than any other verbal or nonverbal behavior. So if we're going to be effective communicators, we need to talk about our clothing. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Out of the gates, I just want to make one thing clear. I am not a stylist. I'm not going to tell you what brand of shirt to wear with what pants and exactly how to style it with accessories. I am going to share with you some factors to consider when you're dressing yourself for work, when you're shopping or when you're looking at your closet and deciding what to wear. What you wear signals or communicates many things. I'm also going to share with you some of what the research says about that. It is fascinating. First though, let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Andrea Wojnicki and I'm your executive communication coach. Please call me Andrea. I'm the founder of Talk About Talk where I coach communication skills to ambitious executives to help them elevate their communication, their confidence and their clarity so they'll get noticed for the right reasons and ultimately get promoted. That's my goal here. I wanna help you accelerate your career trajectory. If you go to the talkabouttalk.com website, you'll find many resources to help you out. There's information there about one-on-one coaching, online courses, corporate workshops, the archive of this bi-weekly podcast, and I really hope you'll sign up for the Talk About Talk newsletter. That newsletter is your chance to get communication coaching from me every week. In this episode, I'm gonna take you through the research, as I said, in terms of how our clothing affects others' perceptions. I'm also going to share with you three things to consider when you're choosing what to wear at work, four things to consider for what to wear in online meetings, and lots of don'ts as in what not to wear. As always, you don't need to take notes because I'll summarize everything for you at the end. And you can always check the transcript in the show notes. It's all on the talkabouttalk.com website. So again, you don't need to take notes because I do that for you. You're welcome. All right, let's get into this. Let me start by saying that how we dress at work is changing a lot. I guess that's obvious. It's like workwear is having a moment, partly due to the pandemic and working from home, for sure. But even before the pandemic, people were wearing sneakers with their suits or their dresses. And then again, suits are becoming less common and ties are definitely becoming less common. And then there's the whole fascination with FTX founder, Sam Bankman Freed, a certified slob. If you don't know what I'm talking about, try searching Sam Bankman Freed. He's a criminal, and his story is bizarre. But what ends up getting talked about is how much of a slob he is in terms of how he dresses. How we dress matters. So my plan was to share this exercise with you at the very end of this episode, but I think I'm just going to do it right now. It's advice that I learned from my friend, Anne Mueltaller. She's a luxury brand consultant, also a yogi and a podcaster, and a very cool human. She's worked for designer Christiane Louboutin for years and years, and she even headed up his communications and PR department. Anne shared this exercise with me that I'm going to share with you now. Okay, here we go. First, close your eyes. Maybe physically, if you can, or at least get yourself into a state where you can be creative and think deeply, okay? Then what I want you to do is to think about or imagine your happiest and most successful self. This is you in maybe five years, and you are your happiest and most successful self, okay? Maybe imagine you're in your office, standing up at your desk, looking down at some paperwork, your laptop's on your desk in front of you, and maybe there's an individual in your office that you're having a rather informal conversation with. Look around the room. What do you see? What does the furniture look like? What do the walls look like? What do you have hanging on the wall? Is it your degree? Is it art? Remember, this is your happiest and most successful self. This is where you want to be. Now, I want you to zoom out and look at yourself. What are you wearing? Think about what you're wearing on top and on the bottom. What color is it? How does the fabric feel? What are you wearing on your feet? Are you wearing a watch? What jewelry or accessories do you have? What about a belt? Are you wearing glasses? What kind of glasses? Top to bottom, head to toe, get yourself in the zone of thinking about your happiest and most successful self. Do you have a vivid image in your mind of what you're wearing? Let me tell you about what this outfit is for me. When Anne took me through this exercise, I was wearing an impeccably tailored navy blue pantsuit made of gorgeous fabric that fit me perfectly. I also have a very plain white blouse underneath this navy blue suit, and I have gold chunky jewelry, earrings, a ring, and a big watch which is kind of weird because I've just started wearing an Apple watch and I really love it. But you get the idea. For some reason, I had a big, chunky wristwatch on when I was imagining this scene. I was also wearing a very high-quality black belt with a designer gold buckle on it and chunky, high-heeled black leather pumps with gold hardware. Pretty specific, right? When I shared this with my friend Anne, she said, Andrea, write this entire outfit out on your shopping list and go buy the outfit. This is your happiest and most successful self. Go buy the outfit. So again, I ask you, what are you wearing when you imagine yourself in your office as your most successful self? It seems like a no-brainer that this outfit is what we should be going out and buying for ourselves. Am I right? Now, I am not encouraging you to go on a major shopping spree after you listen to this episode, and I'm certainly not encouraging fast fashion. In fact, I strongly recommend the opposite. I recommend that you buy things that will last you for years and maybe even decades. A couple of years ago, I interviewed the executive director of Toronto Fashion Week, a talented woman named Carolyn Quinn. I'll leave a link to that episode in the show notes. It was a long time ago. I remember it was episode number 16 and we're now on episode 122. Carolyn shared a lot of helpful advice. And one thing that really stood out for me was that she said, when you're shopping and you pick up a piece of clothing, if you can't imagine wearing it in 10 years, then put it back on the rack and walk away. I love that test. All right, it's time to start going through what some of the research says. When I started reading up on what to wear to work, I found a whole slew of research on the impact of uniforms, You know, like in the healthcare industry for doctors and nurses, and then there's firefighters and the police officers. We're not talking about that here today. We're focusing on when you get to choose what you wear, top to bottom, at least within a dress code. More on dress codes later. So what does the research say? For starters... Clothing is an easily accessible form of self-presentation and it's strongly and frequently incorporated into our daily routines. Yes, it matters. It affects people's perceptions of you. Sometimes you might not care what people say or think about you, but sometimes people's perceptions matter a lot. Like when you're gunning for a promotion or selling something or making an important presentation or maybe when you're interviewing for a new job. Here's the thing. As I said, according to the research, your physical appearance matters, and that includes your clothing. In fact, your physical appearance is the most important or influential factor in employee selection. You want the job? Dress for it. It is more important than other verbal and nonverbal behaviors. By the way, I have to say, I had a lot of fun reading up and doing the research for this episode. Like I said, I am not a stylist, but I enjoy clothing and color and fashion, and certainly I care about how I look. So imagine how I felt when I read the research showing evidence of a clear relationship, a statistical relationship between one's emphasis on their appearance and two things. Do you know what they are? Extroversion. Yes, I'm definitely an extrovert. And neuroticism. What? Okay, there's more though. It turns out that focusing on your physical appearance and your clothing is a smart thing to do. Research shows that people judge all sorts of things about us based on how we dress. It also affects how we feel about ourselves. Have you ever noticed how your mood changes when you get dressed up, or even when you get dressed down into your comfy sweats? How we dress can signal or communicate social values, desire for conformity, ambition, rank, as in your professional seniority, and of course, social status. If you want to feel and act professional, then dress professionally. I read one study that looked at two factors, gender and clothing formality for dentists and lawyers. So this was in the context of professionals. Think of it as a two-by-two matrix. You've got gender on one axis, and you've got formality on the other. So really, you've got four conditions, right? You've got females that are dressed casually, females that are dressed formally, males that are dressed casually, and males that are dressed formally. Can you guess which condition in this two-by-two matrix was judged as more suitable and capable and easier to talk to and friendlier than all of the other conditions? Of course you can. It's the men who are dressed in more formal professional attire who won. I'm hoping as gender dynamics evolve, the results of this study will also change. I could go on about this, but let me get back to some of the other research that you might find interesting. One research study that I read demonstrated that neatness and formality signals conscientiousness and extroversion. Hmm, that extroversion factor again. Interesting. Another study that I read demonstrated that flashy and neat clothing impresses strangers at first glance. Interesting, right? This is actually the antithesis of what FTX founder Sam Bankman Freed wore. Sam was infamous for wearing boring t-shirts or baggy sweatshirts with sloppy walking shorts, black socks, and tattered shoes. Not flashy and not neat. When I think neat, I think Steve Jobs in his impeccable black turtleneck, That wasn't so flashy though, was it? Flashy and neat would be the impeccably tailored suit, maybe in bright red. That reminds me, one of my favorite outfits in my closet that I pull out when I'm doing a keynote or a workshop is a bright turquoise argent blazer. Very well tailored, fits me perfectly, and the color is bold. Bold colors, by the way, are an easy way to add some flash. I'm going to highlight for you more of the research as we go along with some of the do's and don'ts in terms of choosing what to wear. But I just wanted to establish first that what you wear really does matter. It is an effective and relatively easy way to reinforce your personal brand to others and to yourself. And don't worry, just because you pay attention to your wardrobe, it doesn't mean you're neurotic. I'd just say you're being smart. All right, let me take you through some factors to consider when you're choosing what to wear. For when you're shopping or when you're looking at your closet and wondering, what am I gonna wear to work? I have three general suggestions. The first is with regards to formality. If you're not sure, here's the advice. Dress up, not down. The research on this is quite conclusive. If you wanna be perceived as a leader and as competent, trustworthy, intelligent, yes, we are judging your intelligence by your clothing, and I agree, that is scary. Well, then you'd be well-advised to dress formally. In many cases, that means in a suit. This is consistent with the advice for dressing for work that I'm sure we've all heard. Dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Need some evidence for why? Well, one academic study showed that people attribute higher intelligence to students, and to teachers when they wore more formal clothing. If you're a therapist, maybe a psychologist or a psychiatrist, you should know that research shows your clients are more likely to return to you if you wear more formal clothing rather than casual clothing. I guess as a coach, I should probably keep this in mind. Research shows that simply putting on a suit, or if you're in an online meeting, at least a blazer or a suit jacket, communicates Power, status, and rationality. Speaking of online meetings, the pandemic has been a catalyst for a lot of change in many different contexts. One of those contexts is what we wear to work. The culture of suit and tie has evolved to business casual to sometimes frumpy. For example, one thing that's changed is how men are wearing ties less frequently. Of course, this is when they're going business casual, but even when they're wearing a suit, have you noticed they're leaving the tie at home? And then there's the shift from dress shoes to sneakers. This is pretty widely accepted. Often now these sneakers cost a lot more than dress shoes and it's a great way to show your style. Generally though, you could say that our attire, our workwear is becoming less formal and more casual. There is research out there showing that wearing less formal or even casual attire leads to feelings of friendliness and creativity. And both of those are good things. But I encourage you, whenever you're wondering how formal to go, err on the side of formality, especially if traits like competence, trustworthiness, intelligence, power, status, and rationality are things that you want to be known for. I also encourage you to be prepared for the unexpected. Keep a basic blazer on a hanger in the back of your door so that you can always put it on when you have an unexpected meeting with a client. Okay, so that's the first thing. Formality. The second is integrating how you dress with your personal brand. We talk a lot about personal branding on this podcast. So, how exactly can you integrate how you dress with your personal brand? Well, remember, your personal brand is comprised of prioritized themes that describe you in a way that is positive, unique, and relevant to you. The same can go for how you dress. And you can make some part of your style how you dress part of your personal brand for me one of those things is it's all about turquoise I love turquoise it makes me happy and it's a vibrant energetic color and people often tell me that they appreciate my energy so do you see the integration there some of my colleagues have even made comments when they haven't seen me for a while and I show up not wearing turquoise so I guess you could say it's my signature color For you, it might be a color, or maybe it's a brand that you love. Or maybe it's a classic piece that you often wear, like Steve Jobs' black turtleneck. Or maybe it's flashy neckties. Or gorgeous shoes. Or silk scarves. You get the idea. I'm thinking right now about a woman I know who wears a lot of green because it looks gorgeous with her green eyes. That's part of her personal brand. Another woman I know always has long, impeccably manicured nails. That's part of her brand. And another who purposely dresses in bold colors. She tells people that her clothing matches her personality, which is big as opposed to her stature, which is small. I love how she dresses for her personality and she calls it out explicitly. Lori, you're a star. (laughs) And then there's the chair of one of the boards that I was on who was known for having high quality, impeccably pressed or starched dress shirts. Not a bad thing to be known for. Remember the research I was telling you about at the beginning? Imagine how being known for wearing perfect dress shirts would impact people's perceptions and assumptions of you as an executive. Are you feeling inspired? Maybe you're wondering how exactly you integrate your personal style with your personal brand. Well, I would simply start with something you love. It could be a color or a style or a particular piece of clothing or an accessory. Then ask yourself, what someone with your expertise, your ambitions, and your values would do with that. Then go for it and have fun. Make it part of your identity. Make it part of what people remember about you. So that's the second thing to think about. The first is formality. The second is integrating how you dress with your personal brand. The third is an adage that I learned from a friend of mine who is a fashionista. I'm talking about you, Tanya. Tanya was a model in her teens and I met her when we were both in our 20s. We talked a lot then about fashion. She shared this adage with me that stuck with me. I think about it a lot and it's this hair, hands and feet, the power of three hair, hands and feet. When we think about pulling together an outfit, we typically think top and bottom shirt and pants, but we need to pay a lot more attention to three other things. Our hair, our hands, and our feet. If you want to look really pulled together, you need to look after your hair, you need to have presentable hands, that means your nails and possibly some jewelry, and you need clean, polished shoes. Footwear makes a big impact. But in my opinion, footwear is underappreciated. Literally last night, I went out for dinner and I made this mistake. I went out for dinner with some girlfriends And I put on my favorite black wool pants and a lovely sweater. I remember spending some time choosing my jewelry. My footwear didn't even cross my mind until my friend rang the doorbell and I was standing there in the front hall thinking, oh gosh, what am I going to put on my feet? In retrospect, my boots kind of wrecked the outfit. So I need to step it up when it comes to pulling together my outfit in terms of my footwear. Again, hair, hands and feet. The one time that your footwear might not matter at work is if you're in an online meeting. You can wear your comfy slippers or even get your dogs out, as my kids might say. More on that in a second. And now I have a list of four suggestions for what you can wear in online meetings. Are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Number one, wear solids, not patterns. Solids look better on camera. So no stripes, no plaid, no florals. No geometric designs. Keep it solid when you're online. Then, when you go into the office, bring out the patterns and the prints. Number two, wear blue. Apparently, blue looks great on camera, and I think that's true. Sometimes browns and greens and other colors can look a little off on camera. Blues are safe, and I happen to love blue, but that could be actually part of the point here too. Blue is more people's favorite color than any other color. So if you're wondering what color, choose blue. Number three for online meetings, dress quietly. Wait, what? Okay, I'm talking mostly about jewelry or other accessories that might clang and make distracting noises. Like big earrings that clang on your AirPods or a watch or bracelets that clang on your desk. If you're wearing corded earbuds, or if you have a microphone, make sure that the microphone isn't brushing against your clothing. It's super annoying. So keep it quiet. When you're in online meetings, dress quietly, and especially take care of your accessories. On to the next thing. Number four, really this one's for your sake. It's wear something that's comfortable for sitting. Of course, we need to remember what I said at the beginning. You're not just signaling to others with your dress, but also to yourself. If you wanna feel professional and productive, then you need to dress that way. But when you're working from home, you can balance that with the fact that you're gonna be sitting in a chair and no one can see you from the chest down. You wanna be comfortable. So there you go. Four points about what to wear for online meetings. Now we're gonna shift gears and I'm gonna get into the fun stuff. What not to wear. The first thing I have to say is don't violate the dress code. It's just not cool. If there's an event dress code and you don't know what that means, maybe Google it or ask the organizer. These things are fluid. As our culture changes, so too do dress code definitions. Trust me, what my daughter and her friends wear to a semi-formal is very different from what I wore to a semi-formal when I was her age. Similarly, what qualifies as cocktail attire or even business casual isn't always clear. So don't be afraid to ask. So there's event dress codes, but there's also your firm's dress code. Your firm's dress code may be formalized with the rules written out. My son had a summer job last year at a tech company that had a surprisingly strict dress code. It was actually written out. Other firms have dress codes that are not written out. They are implicitly understood. Regardless, Look around, especially at the successful senior folks, and see what they're wearing. It should be pretty clear then what's acceptable. So there are event dress codes, there's your firm's dress code, and there's also sort of a code by season, isn't there? What's okay to wear in the summer is sometimes very different from what's acceptable in the winter. One violation that I read about again and again was how easy it is to mess up with summer wear. It can be easy in the summer to get a little too casual and also to show too much skin for some contexts. All right, so we're talking about do's and don'ts. Do not violate the dress code. What else? Never, ever wear anything that's dirty or stained, period. Also, don't wear anything that's torn or frayed. That should also go without saying, but I see a lot of torn and frayed clothing, especially pants and especially jeans. Torn, frayed jeans may be stylish. Actually, I'm not sure they are anymore. I just lost track. But anyway, regardless, torn or frayed jeans send the wrong message. And as for messages, watch those graphic tees. That should also go without saying. Watch what your clothes are saying, sometimes literally. Okay, here's another don't. Not exactly clothing, but it's something you wear. Fragrance. Whether it's cologne or perfume or aftershave, do not wear it at work. Scent allergies are a real thing. And regardless, you might be sending the wrong message. Save the fragrance for your day off. Got it? Next, avoid clothing that's too revealing. Short shorts and short skirts are a no-no. And no bare midriffs, despite what they show you in the fashion layouts. Hey... If you're a CEO, maybe you can make the rules and show off your six pack. But until then, cover your gut. I read somewhere that sleeveless is definitely a no-no for men. Short sleeves are okay in the summer if the shirt has a collar. And for women, we have different rules. Sleeveless is okay if it's well-tailored and as long as you're not showing too much skin elsewhere. That reminds me, footwear. No flip-flops. And of course, no Crocs. Please, do I have to say it? Those rules stand. But the good news is that footwear is getting a lot more comfortable. As long as they're clean and crisp, you can get away with wearing sneakers with a dress or a business suit. But bare toes, that's less clear. The advice about open-toed pumps was inconsistent based on what I read. A few articles that I read said strappy, toe-revealing sandals are okay for women, but more of these articles advised against it my recommendation is cover your feet. You can always find some cute shoes that cover your toes. Plus, as some of you may know, I have three teenagers. And lately, I keep hearing them talking about how feet are disgusting. Not my feet. We're talking about feet in general. Have you heard this? Of course, they get it from social media. They call people's feet their dogs. And if you can see someone's feet or even their toes, they'll say, ew, your dogs are out. Yo, whose dogs are those? Put those dogs away. So I guess it's a thing. Don't show your dogs, cover your toes. And I have to say that feels like a good place to stop. We've covered you now from the top of your head, your hair, down to your toes. Now, as promised, and as I always do, I am gonna really quickly summarize. And as I go through this list, I hope you'll consider identifying a few pointers that will help you the next time you're staring at your closet and feeling uninspired. We start with what the research says about how what we wear affects or signals how we're perceived by others and by ourselves. Your physical appearance, which includes your clothing, is the most influential factor in employee selection. How you dress impacts people's judgment of you in terms of extroversion, social values, desire for conformity, ambition, rank, social status, charisma, conscientiousness, and neuroticism. So what should you go for? What should you wear? Three suggestions. Number one, formality. There's tons of research pointing to formality. That said, what qualifies as formal is evolving. But if you're not sure, dress up, not down. Number two, integrate how you dress with your personal brand. If you want to be known for your energy, try bold colors. If you want a job, dress the part. If you have a favorite color or a favorite accessory, you love scarves or ties, go for it and make it part of your personal brand. And the third suggestion, hair, hands and feet. It's not just what you're wearing on top and on the bottom. Consider your hair, hands and feet and especially your footwear. Four suggestions for what to wear in online meetings. Number one, solids, not patterns. Number two, make blue your default. Number three, dress quietly. Watch your jewelry and your accessories for noise. Number four, wear something that's comfortable for sitting. And the last list I shared with you, what not to wear. These are the don'ts. Do not violate the dress code. It could be an event dress code, it could be your firm's dress code, or it could be the code of what's acceptable by season. Never ever wear anything that's dirty or stained or torn or frayed. Watch the messages on those graphic tees. Avoid clothing that's too revealing. We got into a lot of detail there. And last, footwear. You can have fun now wearing sneakers, but no flip-flops, no Crocs, And again, no bare toes. Put those dogs away. Now, one more thing before I let you go. Remember at the beginning of this episode, I took you through the visualization exercise. I encourage you to try it again. It's really fun and very illuminating. Now that we've talked about some of the research on clothing and how what we wear affects specific judgments of you, we've talked about formality and your personal brand and your hair, hands, and feet, and more. So I ask you again, imagine yourself in five years. You are your most successful self. What are you wearing? That outfit belongs in your closet now, not just 10 years from now. Got it? Okay, that was fun. Before you go, I'm wondering whether you have any questions or suggestions for me. Perhaps you have a suggestion for a future podcast topic. There are two main ways you can contact me. You can email me at andrea at talkabouttalk.com or go to the talkabouttalk.com website and leave me a recorded message there. While you're on the website, please sign up for the weekly communication coaching newsletter. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, I hope you'll share it with your friends who also might be seeking to improve their communication skills. Thanks for listening and talk soon.